Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, and that Technicolor rainbow in between. Don't lie to you, get a little excited. Today. If I can be serious for a minute. No, no, Lance, it's not that serious. We're finally on iTunes, baby! Every episode of Anchor.fm will now be available in the Apple ecosystem. So you can jobs out with your local aspiring jobber and not be left out by your Android friends. Also, stay tuned for more news on what's to come and how you can play a vital role in the future of this podcast. Now, without further ado. It's live from Bigfoot Pro Wrestling. Let's get to it. And we are back once again with uh, another opportunity to engage with uh, the locals in the pro wrestling scene. I am ecstatic. Uh, insert theosauric uh, words for excited, ecstatic, uh, because uh, this the gentleman that I'm about to have on the this. Uh, the Renegade Roundup is arguably the reason that I started the Renegade Roundup. A friend of yours and mine, to wrestlers and wrestling fans alike. Without further ado, mystery guest at the table, who are you and what do you do? My friends, I uh, do a podcast here in the area. I do it about wrestling. I do it about local wrestling. I do it about uh, wrestling, about wrestlers who are going to come into the area and wrestle at our local promotions. I'm very happy to be here on the uh, Renegade Roundup. Uh, is this where I say my name? This, this would be where you would say a name, ideally. My name, for the people that know me on my podcast, it is the L Train, and I am the host of the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast, and it's an honor to be on here uh, tonight on the uh, Renegade Roundup, and uh, thank you so much for having me. The honor is all mine, sir. I think it uh, is not uh, beyond the realm of imagination to, to say that anybody who is anybody in this area that has, within the last couple of years taken up the mantle and decided hey why don't i do a wrestling podcast i don't think it is a stretch to say that you are the man to thank for planting the seed in so many people we got myself nick radford i just listened to uh, his uh, his poetry slams that uh, that he does also on anchor.fm which is my host of choice and then uh doing research i found out that you personally have not done a whole lot of interviews because the only one I was able to find was Coffee with Collins, which happened around this time last year. And that is it. Ever the international man of mystery, I'd say. <laughs> I try to stay a little low key, you know, about the things I do. But um, there was one other podcast I was on. I don't know how long ago it was now, and they also were on mine, and it's the People's L-Pod. So check those guys yes. out. They do another uh, great local podcast. They review uh, stuff they watch on TV, and then they talk about the local scene. They'll have people from local uh, promotions on there. So that's a, that's another good one, my friend. But thank you for the research on me, my friend. Yeah, I, I try to... Um... I try to do my best to kind of not tread old ground because I feel like 
I feel like especially with the wrestlers, I feel like they probably get tired of getting asked the same questions about like, well, what was your inspiration for wrestling? Where did you go to school? What was your mother like? And uh, <laughs> and, and I think it's just I think it's it's just it's just fair to do your due diligence and know the people that you have on the show. And and the amazing thing as well is you mentioned, you know, however long ago the people's L pod was on. That was not even a part of my Google search. That's probably how long it has been. But also <laughs> on top of that, so many names of, of podcast promoters um, and just uh, wrestling promoters kind of harkening back a little bit to not too long ago, Z-Man, uh, we had him on and he told us about the Rockin' Wrestling Revolution. <laughs> which uh, which took place in Spanaway, and I was not only was I able to attend, I was roped in to do commentary for that particular event, and so <laughs> seen quite a bit of how the sausage was made for that particular promotion. Yeah, just kind of diving into it, and it's uh, and in that I actually found uh, the promoters behind Timberland Pro Wrestling were in attendance as well. So it's like you have all of these. I talked a little bit with um, Z-Man and then with uh, with Flex Matt, who mm -hmm. uh, runs the Scuttlebutt promotion, that there just <laughs> seems to be this crop of, of up-and-coming talent. And there's an explosion in the scene unlike anything we've ever seen before. And so it's, it's, really, it's really cool to see how many options there are now for pro wrestling. Oh, man, there's uh, tons of options. Obviously, you know, you got uh, Defy. And then, um, you know, without a cause is just, uh, before the pandemic, they were killing it more each and every, every month when they, uh, did their thing. And now you've heard the announcements over the last couple of months, man, a sold out show, um, here at the end of October on the 29th. And then, uh, mm -hmm. next month, uh, 26th off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me, but, uh, whatever the right. Sunday is, man, as I look tonight and I tweeted it out just a little bit ago. There's only two tickets left, seating tickets, and then there's some GA stuff left. But, uh, you know, Paradigm Pro Wrestling's coming in. But, you know, like you said, there's so many uh, things going on here. Relentless Wrestling, which you didn't mention. You know, you did mention the Scuttlebutt uh, Flex Network, uh, you know, covering that, uh, promoting that. And there is so many things. You know, Prestige going to come back in 2022. You know, there's P.O.Dub Wrestling uh, from Eugene, Oregon, coming back here. Uh, oh, wow. I don't know if it's this month or next month. Uh, again, don't have that open up in front of me. But uh, sure. there's lots well, of stuff uh, coming on, coming down the pike, my friend, uh, for me, yeah. for you, for all our local uh, fans. And it's just uh, a great thing to be a part of and, uh, for sure. and waiting on my wallet will certainly be hurting. I will tell you that much right now. <laughs> well, I'll um, tell you also, what real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but most of those sure. shows are very affordable. You know. That's correct. You know, you can get a $20, $30 ticket and get in the door. You know, there's another show that's a little more expensive, but it's it's usually worth it. You know, Defy, yeah. you know, they charge a little more for the tickets. But, man, the, the shows are off the hook. You know, Washington Hall is like uh, a venue from second to none. But, you know, tickets there, and, you know, you can get some GA for, I think, 25 so you can get in the mm -hmm. building. But there's plenty of uh, options all throughout uh, the promotions uh, to get in the door. Oh, sure. And and the fact that 
it has such a devoted fan base that they keep coming back and the shows just get exponentially better. Um, one of the other uh, things that we kind of glossed over is uh, Relentless uh, ran by local wrestler Chase James. Yes. Uh, the fact that uh, we're, we're now getting into where some of the OGs are kind of uh, there. They're, it, they're looking at it from the other side of the ring, if you will. I would say, what was it, uh, a couple of months back, you had uh, Juice Girl Kendall running a one-off show uh, <laughs> out in Auburn. So everybody is getting into the game in, in some aspect, and um, I've been, I've been uh, sort of falling into uh, potential uh, announcing and commentary opportunities. Like, who would have thought, like, a couple of years ago that uh, as many opportunities within the scene would have been readily available it's it's and you know there's there's i'm sorry go ahead let me ask you real quick man uh how mm -hmm. is that man how do you feel about uh doing commentary uh on these shows man how much fun is that for you how's your confidence in that you know i'm, I'm asking you a question on your podcast my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh the game is a foot i see yes sir. um yes yes um it's it's <laughs> so because I don't want to do a bad job, and I and the, the I think for me as a fan, uh, there is that amount of pressure that I want to make everybody look good. Because of that, I know, you know, because I've been trying to do podcasts and uh, videos, and you know, I occasionally put my face up on uh, the Twitter machine and Instagram and all that stuff. I know how I sound. I'm not the most confident in my delivery the way that I would want to deliver it. So one of my personal goals is I want to uh, get into, uh, take voice acting lessons to help kind of find my voice, if you will. But I mean, just being asked the opportunity to do so is flattering enough. And it's like, okay, you know, that's my gateway in, but now I've got to perform. And I think that's, and that's where, you know, there is sort of that, um, that uh, uh, that uh, Im imposter syndrome that sometimes will come into play and just kind of set it, it. I set myself back more than I think I let on in the performance, which that that should be like that's good in that like I don't let that affect my uh, performance. Like you know, the 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 best things that happen are the ones that you never planned. Gotcha. Um, so like perfect example of that at the rock and wrestling show one of uh, <laughs> one of surprisingly my favorite uh my favorite matches on the card ended up being Derek Drexel and Matt Justice in a hardcore match <laughs> and there were already um there were already matches that spilled out into the crowds but the fact that you had another set of area where the band was performing and both of them dove into where the band was performing Thank God that I had a wireless mic because I could actually do like field reporting. Like I was in a war zone, letting the people that were still sitting at ringside know what's happening. And that's not something that I planned. And it just, you know, spontaneity, um, necessity is the mother of invention. And sometimes you just get, you get things that you don't plan for and oh yeah i think i think i think that that spontaneity and just 
you never know what you are going to get in a pro wrestling show is what continues to make it exciting. But now that I have like the opportunity to be more involved with that, that's where like, okay, now I have to put the personal work in for myself <laughs> to give the presentation that I want to present. And so that's, that's arguably more stress on myself than other people, but that just shows how much that I want to give back to the industry. Oh man. Good for you. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's again, you know, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I, I've mentioned on multiple occasions that like me four or five years ago would be crazy. Like just, you know, you have, you have friends that are wrestlers. There's actually <laughs> wrestling in, you know, Tacoma. Like what? It's like, like you probably have seen a lot of things in in the in the years that you know wrestling has been around. So <laughs> just to kind of just to kind of spin it back a little bit, how long have you been? Let's let's start at the very beginning. How long have you been a fan? And then how long have you been involved with the independent stuff? Oh man, just being a fan that went way back. Uh, just so everyone knows, and if you listen to my show, I I I talk about it a lot. I'm 49 years old, turning 50 next year, and I'm a huge, huge, huge wrestling fan. I've been a wrestling fan since the early 80s when I found WTBS Wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling, and uh, Tommy Rich, the Freebirds, mm -hmm. Gordon Soley, Dusty Rose, Ric Flair. I mean, all those kind of every week, 305 on uh, Saturday, and uh when I could watch it at home, it was great, but we can always afford cable. So I went over to my grandparents a lot, hung out with my uncle just so I could watch it. I'd call my uncle, hey, what happened on uh, WTBS this week? I couldn't wait. And then eventually I found uh, Portland Wrestling on um, Channel 12. You kind of had to have like a tune it in on your TV. I had a little black and white TV in my room back in the day, and mm -hmm. uh, I could pick it up on there on channel, I think it was Channel 12. And, you know, with a little help from the antenna, a little help from uh, some foil, and I was able mm -hmm. to watch Portland Wrestling, which was big-time wrestling on uh, that channel. And uh, they would come here on um, every other Wednesdays. And, uh, man, I just got into all that. I started collecting the, the wrestling books because mm -hmm. I found one at a uh, – my mom's like, hey, go to the store, get this, when I was just a kid, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. Hey, go to the store, get this, the local 7-Eleven up the store. And I'd get that, and she's like, get whatever you want. And I found professional wrestling books after I found that WTBS show, you know, Georgia Championship Wrestling and, you sure. know, Freebirds or Tommy Rich or somebody was on the cover, and I was like, oh, my God. And the book was, you know, a buck, 75 cents, $1.50. I don't remember what it was, but it was pretty cheap, you know. So mm -hmm. I got that, and I started collecting those and reading them every week and, watching big time wrestling, watching Georgia championship wrestling, which later turned into world championship wrestling and, you know, and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But, uh, that's pretty much the, the, the gist of it, man. And I didn't have a lot of friends that were into uh, professional wrestling. It was pretty much my thing until my uncle started getting into it. You know, I'd sure. watch it with him. We'd get into it, but, uh, man, uh, but, uh, the second part of your question if I'm not rushing my answer here too much, um, independent That's wrestling, fine. go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, uh, probably just before maybe defy started going, there was Lucha Libre Volcanica 
And oh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. my wife found one of those shows. Uh, it was going to be at the Duwamish River, uh, an outside show over in uh, South Park, which is just kind of uh, south of Seattle. And uh, we went to that, man, and I saw Vispa and I think Ave, Sonico, Ave Rex and Sonico were bo- probably both there. I don't remember for sure, but there was hella luchadors, and it was really just a good time. Everyone kind of just stood around the ring, and the luchadors did their thing, and it was really a blast. And I bought my first, like, Lucha Libre Volcanica t-shirt. And I can't remember if it was before that or after that, we found a show that was going to be down in Portland, Oregon. And it was uh, it was um, WCWC Wrestling. Which uh, they used to have a lot of TV tapings and things like that. Now they pretty mm-hmm. much just run, or you know, when they get back going, if they do after the pandemic, once a month out of uh, Salem. But they used to run once a month on a Saturday um, before the Salem show, the day before, and they mm-hmm. would um, do a four-hour TV taping. And my wife and I went to one of those, and it was at like an armory in Portland somewhere. I don't remember the exact name of it. But uh, oh, wow. we watched about three hours of this TV tape, and it was cool because uh, there was Julian Wyatt on there. There was a young King Cash. Um, oh, wow. There was a very young uh, rock god, Ricky Gibson, which you know is uh, <laughs> with the midnight uh, heat right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and others, too. A Gangrel was on that show. I was, you know, oh, if geez. you could watch the one show that, uh, or one of the tapings, I went up and slapped hands with Gangrel and it was on their TV tapings. I was so excited about it. I took a picture when I was watching it on Fight oh, TV back when they had those uh, episodes on there, man. It was a really really great time. So, you know, Lucha Libre Volcanica WC WC were the first uh stuff I really found out here, man. That's super cool. That's uh yeah, and it's it's again, the 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 scene has changed so much in a short period of time that's again that's not too far off from from when i started uh max was the reason that i ended up going to <laughs> defy four and uh i, I basically the, it was like the twisting of the knife was and, and i say that in the the utmost due respect max was twisting the knife but the <laughs> thing that really sealed it for me was the FOMO of I missed out on Defy 3 and everybody uh, watching Boone the Bounty Hunter, the movie premiere of that. And I'm like, <laughs> that looked fun. And so, you know, I've, I've mentioned uh, a couple of times, so I, uh, I apologize to my frequent uh, listeners about a rehash in the same story. But it's such a good story. Like, origin stories are fun. <laughs> and uh, especially you mentioned about um, a young King Cash. And that was probably even more fresh than when I saw him at Defy 4. He was part of the mid-card. Um, I can't remember for the life of me who he was. I think it was a triple threat. Um, but because, again, I didn't know anybody from anybody, the very first thing that stood out to me was his Abdullah the Butcher shoes. <laughs> and so that was that was the thing that I uh, they gravitated towards. And, uh, you know, I said, Abdullah wants his shoes back! And... Uh, <laughs> you know so just but yeah just the feel out process of uh i think i think i uh, talking about like vod stuff that happens i think if i remember correctly so tacoma uh it was the uh the tacoma cup the women's cup that happened through to five four and five and i'm sure somebody will confirm this for me because i have been known to like su- supplant false memories into my head because for three years I was convinced that Ricochet was involved in a Defy show. Um, <laughs> a man can dream, I guess. But um, 
I think if you go back on the VOD for that Super J Cup, it was night one at Defy Four when it was Nicole Matthews was <sighs> part of that, and she's she's phenomenal. I she's super impressive, and um, because again, I didn't know anybody, and like this was my first foray into it. I think you can hear on the VOD me saying. I think I'm in love! And then uh, the commentator's saying, clearly there's a fan in the audience. And it's like, yeah, I was that fan. I was, was that guy. Was that a Tacoma show? It was, yes, it was the, um, the one at the Temple Theater was yep. four. And then uh, five was uh, the Washington Hall. Was that and the that was, was that the match? I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but um, was that the match with, it was like a four-way and they just beat the hell out of each other? Yes, yes, because that was, um, it was Nicole Matthews, uh, Angelina Love, and a couple other, I think, was Danica Park? You know what? Uh, no, Rebel Kell was. I think Rebel Kell was. You know what? Now that we're actually talking about this, let me see if I can pull up the card. <laughs> Four. Um, no, let's hold on. Defy Four uh, Tacoma Cup. This is uh, this is the art of him. Full results for Defy Four. Hey, there we go. There's a, Reddit, there's a Reddit post on the squared circle Reddit post. From, yeah, June third, June thirtieth, twenty seventeen. The thing that I also remember about June thirtieth was Defy Five. Was no uh, Reddit need to know my. I have it no, in sorry. front of me, my friend. If you want me to announce it, yes, please do. So uh, I think yours probably came up Tacoma a bit Cup four way elimination. Mm -hmm. That's the one we're talking about. Defy for Gigantica. Gigantica, yes. excuse me, and uh, it was Christina Von Eri. Mm -hmm. Angelina Love, Nicole Matthews, and Sue Young. And uh, mm -hmm. the winner was Christina Von Erie, and she took that cup. She did. And, uh, <laughs> well, and the thing as well that was uh, really cool, the thing that was most memorable and the reason that June 30th will always be stuck in my brain, so Defy 4 was June 29th, and June 30th, which was Defy 5, is also Sue Young's birthday. How do I know this? Because the streamer club came prepared. They had birthday themed streamers for when Sue Young came out with Devil Derek Drexel, and everybody in the crowd was chanting, Happy birthday! Yep. Happy birthday! And you, she, she tried to keep that smile down, but she stayed within character and put on that smile. She was just <laughs> so. It was the it was the happiest we were able to see. Demon Ringwraith Sue Young, fantastic. But again, nothing like a Defy show. Like I, I love, I love all of our promotions, and I want everybody to do to get the work and get paid. But man, there is some magic that Jim Perry and Matt Farmer are able to do to consistently make those shows as hot as it is. And it's you can't explain it anything short of magic. I don't know how they're consistently able to catch lightning in a bottle, but they do. And the fans return in droves. It's like, if you want to convert somebody to be a wrestling fan, take them to a Defy show. They will feel something. Oh, man, you're not mistaken. Um... My first Defy show was Defy to Wolves at the Door, you know, and uh, the whole thing was just uh, phenomenal from top to bottom, and there were some crazy people on this thing. Jane Strickland and Leo Rush was one of, and I have said it for years now since that match, mm -hmm. one of the best live matches, maybe the best live match 
I've ever seen. Like that one was just phenomenal. It was my first, mm-hmm. you know, you know, my first Defy show. And my wife and I, Kim, Mrs. Clams, if you will, we had, uh, I don't know if it was second or third row seats near the opening where the uh, where you go out to get your shirts on that end of the, on mm-hmm. the Washington Hall anyway. And, man, watching that was completely insane. There was a lot of great stuff on there, too. And I think that was also the night the lights went out and the fire alarm went off. Oh, geez. <laughs> so literally the show was too hot for the building. It was too hot, man. And and if I remember right, the lights went out when Angelina Love, Kate Carney, and Sue Young were getting ready to have their match. I, I think Angelina Love maybe have been coming out, and it just like <laughs> went boom. And then also outside at the time, I swear it was raining like crazy because it was April. If yeah, it was April 7th, and um, it was crazy rain outside, too. And then you had to sit out there for a while and then come back in and then, uh, you know, get to the the main match with um, uh, Davey Richards and Jeff Cobb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, uh, both uh, in- incredible athletes in their own right. Jeff has just been tearing it up. Like, I... The fact that he is having a feud with Okada in New Japan gets me a certain kind of happy that I... It's hard to describe if you're not a wrestling fan, but if you're a wrestling fan, you know. its it, I'm glad you clarified that it was the Defy 2 uh, Swerve Rush match because I remember seeing them at Defy 6. <laughs> which that was, uh, that was something to see because that was... Uh, that was when we found out that Leo Rush was getting called up to NXT. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was also before before the uh, New Japan crossover, that was the last Defy-specific show that they were able to hold at the Temple Theater. Um, because they've been, uh, again, it's uh, been becoming increasingly more difficult to get it out in T-Town for various venue reasons. Not my story to tell, but, you know, it's just... I would love to go to more Defy shows. You know, I'm now fortunately in a spot where for the last couple of months I, I held a job up in Seattle. So at least that part of the commute with a consistent schedule for once makes it a bit easier to do. But before, man, it's blink and you'll miss it. And, you know, people travel from all over to get those tickets. But yeah, well, talking about fond memories of shows, besides the religious experience of seeing Swerve for the first time at Defy 4. That was my first. That's something that woke up something fierce. That it's like, there was a feeling that had laid dormant in my chest since college. And it's like, I remember why wrestling is so fun. I remember why I actually want to do it. Because I'm six foot five. I'm not designed to do anything else. That's where, uh, at a a now defunct venue, uh, where I stepped through the ropes for the first time at 34 years old to get training. And I wanted to go back. Um, (laughs) I want to that that itch is there, man. I tell you what, it's uh, um, they say wrestling a drug, but they don't know how much. Um, but it's uh, wrestling elicits those kind of feelings of euphoria that, uh, again, uh, to uh, a normie's comprehension, the closest thing to equate that to is a, a rock show, because uh, <laughs> it's it because it is an interactive concert in the most in the most genuine way possible 
Something I was uh, just reminded of of uh, shortly before we started recording. One of my one of my favorite promotions to follow from here right now is uh, is the Lab, based out of Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, and there they they showcase stars like Big Calix, who has become like such an internet darling in my book. He's like talk about the pandemic stuff where like it was a good time to reinvent yourself. Big Calix has done so much to 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 endear himself to the fans. And WrestleLab put out a, a tweet about give wrestlers something they don't usually do and let them surprise you. And Big Calix puts up his exhibit A of milking the crowd while he goes to take a seat in a chair. <laughs> it's like it doesn't take much to make us happy. Just just have wrestlers do fun stuff. Well, like you said, is it do fun stuff. It's little things that you can grab the crowd with. You don't have to do all this crazy stuff. Just little things here and there that will um, entertain the crowd, if you will. Yeah, 100%. And it's uh, it's such a... Uh, it. Wrestling's wrestling, man, and it's it's uh, it, it, I think the the thing that sort of encircles that the the phrase that encapsulates that for me is uh, when I was so when I was first getting into wrestling, I I basically very first dove into it. Like I had heard of it, I've seen clips here and there, but I first dove into it uh, around the time that the Bischoff era started. So around uh, two thousand one, two thousand two. That was like my peak time to get into it. Bischoff and in uh, WWE. Yes, Bischoff in WWE um, as uh, general manager of Monday Night Raw. Gotcha. Um, argue, yeah, arguably uh, Bischoff made Monday Night Raw for me, and it's just for me personally, it's it's hard. That that feeling has not been replicated ever since for me personally because I feel like that was like you take a look at like from so from two thousand two to two thousand seven. You take a look at what the landscape was for both Raw and SmackDown at the time. My my favorite feud of all time is still Eddie Guerrero, heel Eddie Guerrero in 2005 versus Rey Mysterio. Mm. Like that that particular buildup and the visuals that were presented during that time, hard to top that. Hard to top that in my book, personally. Um, but, uh... Well... Let me ask you real quick. Was that when they got into the uh, "he's the father of your son" and kind of things like yes. that? Yes. This was the. This was the. Uh, this culminated with the uh, ladder match for the custody of Dominic. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That and the and again it was the the visuals of just. I think the thing that impressed me the most about Eddie Guerrero and somebody said it. I think it was. I think it was during the the memoriam show where Stephanie McMahon of all people said. He could convey any emotion that he wanted with just his eyes. You talk about somebody that was able to sell. He could take anybody, take them in the palm of their hand and just make you like he can make you love him or hate him. But he's going to get that reaction out of you. And I feel like there's there's very few wrestlers or even performers like we'll go we'll go even broad and say actors in hollywood that are able to elicit the kind of reaction that eddie guerrero was able to 
to give in any given moment. So those are my fondest memories around that time. And the reason that I, that I, uh, I, I sort of um, derailed a little bit, so the main thought that I wanted to uh, get across was mm-hmm. back in 2002, when I was very first diving into the history of pro wrestling, the two most important things that I picked up at a half price books was the complete idiot's guide to pro wrestling volume two <laughs> with Goldberg on the front of it and a A&E documentary DVD called the unreal world of pro wrestling. Oh yeah. And in, and in that, uh, I mean, it, it goes way back. It talks about like the history of, you know, Frank Gotch era. And then, uh, you see a living, breathing, classy Freddie Blassie talking about the good old days with Bruno Simartino and learning about Gorgeous George and the effect that he had on the golden age of, of television. But my favorite quote out of that entire thing, out of all people, comes from Jeff Jarrett. And as to wrestling as is to life, he says this. To those who believe, you need no explanation. To those who don't believe, no explanation will do. <laughs> and it just, it encapsulates that completely in my book. You can tell people that wrestling is cool and they won't believe it. They have to feel that wrestling is cool. Dude, it's, you know, you're either a wrestling fan or you're not. I mean, there's those people that, you know, back in the day are like, oh, yeah, Hulk Hogan, you know. I know who that guy is, you know. He's that wrestling dude. But as far as just being a wrestling fan, we got a little different mindset, man. We we love crazy stuff. We we can take our minds and uh, do the disbelief. Okay, it's 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 not real, but, you know, they're they're doing this thing. And, uh, and we still love it, man. And I'll, uh, you know... From seven, eight years old to almost 50 now. And I still love it. There was a time, maybe between, just after WCW was bought. Maybe a little before Mm -hmm. that, because I started, I was with, I I, I married a person that wasn't into wrestling. She didn't want it. She didn't want to see it. So I kind of turned my back on it for a little bit. And then I came back, you know, years later. But from like 2000. Late 2001, 2002, until, you know, 2012, 2013, I didn't really pay attention to it. And, uh, you know, I'm upset with myself because there was some really, really good stuff going on through those times. And I've went back and I've watched it on the network and those kind of things. But, uh, man, to be a wrestling fan, you know, my wife understands it now. She deals with me. She is like, hey, man, we got to watch this show. We got to watch this show. We're going to do this show. Going to scuttlebutt. We're going to whack. You know, and she's yep. like, okay, okay, okay. Especially after a pandemic for a year and a half, two years, where we couldn't go to any shows, man. Being a wrestling mm-hmm. fan is the craziest thing. I love it. I wouldn't give it up. I love wrestling. There's nothing like it, my friend. A hundred percent. I am a hundred percent with you on that. And I think it is the, it's the relations that you build along the way. And, and, and the thing that going to that rock and wrestling really reminded me of that because, you know, for presentation wise and all that, it was okay. It was their first show. They're, they're trying to test the waters of it. Fine. But the best memories that I had was just seeing how people were responding to the show especially people that may have 
just come for the music and maybe not for the wrestling. And they left with an impression of pro wrestling. But, you know, having having been around the, the independent scene and just seeing the guys for years, I will tell you just getting a handshake and a hug and a thank you from all the men and women that performed that night. And just especially the thing that was so cool about it as well was that because it was spaced out at the beginning anyway, it was spaced out where one match and then for like an hour and a half, two hours, you have mm. a, a cover band that plays. And that went all day. So that got me some time to mingle and interact and talk with people. And I tell you what, it lifted my soul. <laughs> being able to give Cubby a big old hug, being able to say thank you and make amends with Drake Kwan, to be able to just getting a thank you from Jordan Oasis, getting a big old hug from Chris Ace, <laughs> seeing how jacked Black Sheep Dave Turner is like, holy yeah. crap, he's been putting in the work, hasn't he? How was that, uh, if you don't mind me asking, that Bash Brothers <laughs> versus Midnight Heat match? <laughs> so you saw the clip of that. So fun story about that. That was not the original plan. And I'll tell you why. So we had to do a little bit uh, shuffling of the deck, if you will. Originally, it was supposed to be 8 p.m. was the hardcore match. Then the cover band Maiden Northwest was supposed to take the stage. And then 10 p.m. was supposed to be the main event. Mm -hmm. Well, the show was already running a little bit long. Mm -mm. Uh, because any rock fan will tell you is that rock bands, and especially cover bands, are not the most punctual bunch in the world. So, you know, we... so. It progressively got, okay, they're running 10 minutes over. Okay, we'll have the match. It was like 8.20 by the time that the it was um, Lewd and Crude got done with their set. And before that, you know, and, and again, we're, uh, me and uh, the fellow commentator, uh, which I am blanking on his name. I am so sorry. Please invite me back. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we, we basically had to call an audible because it was running that long. And not only that, again, I can't take the credit for this. Chris, of all people, he voiced his concern about, okay, well, if the last band performs, then my main concern was that nobody will stay for the main event because the last band will have gone home. And that, what incentive will they have to stay? So you know what? When uh, my commentator partner was uh, worried about it running so long, I pulled the trigger. I called the audible and said, hey, let's do both matches back to back so that way the wrestlers can tear down and go home early. And that was not a call that Maiden Northwest was expecting. <laughs> they got mad at me. Again, I look official enough because I'm six foot five and I look like, you know, right. I might know something about this. A little bit imposing, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. You know, it's, if you don't know me, I, I look imposing to a lot of people. <laughs> um, they approach me and are like, okay, is this the last one? Okay, this is the last one. Sure. And something about a curfew? I didn't necessarily get full clarity of this, but there, it may have possibly been there was a noise curfew at 10 o'clock. It was either there's a noise curfew in Spanaway specifically, or the band was only slated to be there until 10 
and they were worried that we were running their clock. Well, you should have taken that up with Loot and Crew. That's not my problem. So the reason that that clip exists is because of Maiden Northwest pittiness. Because they were tuning up during the match. And then they just started playing because their fans were waiting for them. Because the way that the, the space works is the grassy area was where the ring was. And then in the pit on the other side of that venue was where the stage was. And so you had this kind of segregation already as it is. So the band was the band fans were waiting for them to perform. So they're just like, screw it. We're going to play. And they decided to start playing the moment that Chris Ace and Dave Turner were making their comeback against the Midnight Heat. You could have not planned the timing of that. And it just, it amped them up so much to perfection. Because Chris was already amped up that, yes, we're going to go home early. Because that was the call to make. But the moment <laughs> that the band decided to start playing... That sealed the deal. And the, 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 the important thing is, everybody went home happy because nobody could have expected that. And that enhanced the match. And arguably, if you're going to do a rock and wrestling show, you should have it integrated with the wrestling, not segregated from it. <laughs> and uh, and I think, uh, I think uh, some of that uh, criticism, I'm hoping that the powers that be for the rock and wrestling revolution are taking some of that criticism to heart and maybe maybe not spacing it out where it's two hours in between matches and maybe having less cover bands so you're saving on saving some some cha-ching a little bit but you know who knows that's not my call to make i'm just <laughs> i'm just a fan and i just want to make the wrestlers happy and i think at the end of the day everybody was happy so that's a win well you still have those matches down at the the show box downtown whatever it's called now man uh was it Project something or Project Forty Two, yeah. Project Forty Two shows. One. I have yet to go to one of those. I need to. Well, I don't know if they've had any for a while, but when they used to have them, they'd have bands on the stage and people be coming out and they'd be performing to uh, rock and roll. From what I understand, that's right. That's right. And I so, think I remember. I remember Ethan was talking about Volcanica used to do something like that for a period of time as well, where it was like a local cover band that played throughout the night or something like that. Wow, that'd be a lot of fun. I remember if you watched, um, what was it, Lucha, not Lucha Volcanica, not Lucha Volcanica, Lucha... Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground, man. They had a band yes. in there in their uh, they did. warehouse, and they were jamming out, and the people were getting into it, and then they'd have the matches Dude, and shit like that. So yeah. it can be yeah. done. How? Yeah, how fun would it have been to be at a live taping for one for? Lucha Underground. Oh, my, my my wife and I looked at it a couple times, but we couldn't oh, make you? it happen. And then when we like, okay, let's check it out this year, and they weren't really back again. So we, no. my wife and I checked it out. We were going to make it happen. It just didn't happen. It would have been a blast, though. Yep. Shout out to MLW for the uh, um, for the Lucha Azteca revival. All right. Yeah. So uh, that's that's really exciting. And then you know. It's, uh, uh, man, I, as, as far as like, I would argue that, that Lucha Underground as a product is probably the best thing in wrestling that's come out in the last 10 years. 
You're not wrong, man. I, my wife and I, Mrs. Clams, we enjoyed it, man. We couldn't wait for it to happen every week. I thought the the storylines were good. You know, they had those like vignettes that were really neat. Uh, you know, might have been a little far out sometimes, but that's okay with me. Uh, mm -hmm. I like the supernatural uh, aspect of uh, Lucha Underground, and it was, uh, I don't know, it was really just a great time to watch. I looked forward to it every, uh, what was it, like Wednesday night or whatever it was. It's something like that, yeah. But talk about talk about making Vampira look like a freaking champ. Like the story <laughs> arc with 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 Vampiro and Pentagon. Oh, I couldn't get enough of that. It was it was again, unlike anything that you would normally see on TV. And I think it's it it reflects the medium perfectly. Because unfortunately you have the problem with um, it's it's especially prominent with a lot of flagship WWE products that Lucha Underground was able to solve is at the end of the day, even though it's still a wrestling product, you still have to make it an entertaining, captivating television product. And that was that was the synergy that Lucha Underground was able to get perfectly is like somebody could walk in on any of the vignettes, be drawn into that, and then oh it's wrestling and the i think the the grungy atmosphere and that it doesn't detract from the vignettes because it's it's a different thing like i think like a way to sort of like the way i want to say it is the way to sort of remove that like you have to have a certain suspension of disbelief to enjoy a wrestling product it takes a whole another level to be completely submersed in the visual like Lucha Underground did. The way to do it wrong would have been like old school, like if you had like backstage promos for like classic, yeah, let's say like 95 era WCW backstage promos. Mm -hmm. And then you go into American Gladiators. <laughs> like that, that's sort of like, it, 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 that's sort of what it reminds me of a little bit when you have some of the WWE product where it's, Okay, here's a locker room vignette, and then, in certain times, the 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 ring presence doesn't complement what you're seeing backstage. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, backstage vignettes at uh, Lucha Underground, man. When they went to Dario Cueno's office, dude, I thought that was just spectacular. Anytime they went there, Johnny Mundo or whoever it was, you mm -hmm. know, he had all those little things, uh, yeah, some kind of little lizard or something on his desk i can't remember what it was but uh just the little things like that and it made it uh just really a lot of fun to to watch you know you you had to concentrate on the what they were doing and then uh you know then you'd get a badass wrestling match mm -hmm. yeah no quino was was such a had such a mob boss presence to him and i think that's what made him because again it's the best heels in in any form of medium are the ones you love to hate mm -hmm. it's like quino was quino was so cool but you but he was such a despicable lizard man like it was he encapsulates that character so well it's the same for different reasons similar but different reasons is the reason that katrina the handler of mi muertes was such a captivating character <laughs> to me and now i think her name is Carly Leilani, something like that. Like she's making a killing in Hollywood now. Like uh -huh. she got signed on to like an Amazon Prime 
exclusive series, and it's just <laughs> it's just killing it in Hollywood now. Because, and and that's the thing that I've sort of appreciated about one of my biggest knocks with the WWE product in general is that everything outside of the main uh, flagship product is far more interesting than the flagship product. <laughs> and but you know you see like the wrestlers are very smart about using wrestling as a platform to get into other things and you know i would i would love for wrestling to be more lucrative than it is and you know have everybody you know be able to make a decent living off of it but we're we're kind of a we're kind of a ways um off from that now well the wwe where it used to be a star making place yes i have to say and i'm not you know people that want to watch it that's fine I'm not mm-hmm. criticizing anything. Watch what you like to watch in wrestling. Yes. But uh, they're not making main stars anymore. Like, it, it seems like they, you know, Roman Reigns is pretty big now. But are they going to let him get to Rock or Stone Cold or Hulk Hogan type of stardom? I don't know. Maybe him, but I don't see anyone else there and the WWE get into that status anymore where you can kind of break off and go do something else. Right. And I think the biggest reason for that is that they have cemented that the brand is superior to any other talent that is there. It was such a head scratcher when one of the drafts last year, they they exchanged the tag team champions. And the weirdest thing about that was the belts also exchanged hands cementing that the belt is part of the brand and the brand is superior to the wrestling talent because yeah it was yeah raw and smackdown it's like oh i'm the raw champions you're going to smackdown okay here you go and it's 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 so backwards from even 10 years ago when they were willing to risk because it was it used to be a shock when your world heavyweight champion would go to the other show. And that that used to be a plot point for, like, Money in the Banks or or even Royal Rumble wins. Like, you used to to have people that would jump ship and go for that particular title, but now it's... They're so focused on brand identity. Like, most of the belts... Like the belts, the quality of the belts are great, but it has such a uniform look to it mm-hmm. that you, it, it, you kind of, I don't know if it's going to be as dated as, say, when they were trying to experiment with the penny tag champions, <laughs> the ones that, that looked like the, the big old fat pennies. Because right. um, I personally like the design that they use for, like the globe design that they use for the 205 cruiserweight title and now the North American championship in NXT and now the intercontinental title. But again, that's those look great by the way. Yeah, they do. Um, Wildcats really knocks it out of the park with those, but uh, it's that it's the uniform and the visuals of that. But again, it's just the conditioning after so long that the running joke for years has been the three week push before going back to the status quo. And it breaks my heart that you have arguably some of the best talent in the world in WWE, hmm. but the fans are now conditioned that 
don't give your hopes up for too long because ultimately we're not going to push your guys. And it's been it's been really scary because like well, the amount of cuts that they have had in the company mm. and putting that many people out of work for profit margins I Dude, don't understand. That that doesn't make any sense. Uh oh we're cutting because of uh cost cuts. No, you make more money than you ever have before. You know, I don't know a lot about stuff when it comes to WWE and the corporate wrestling, but it just seems like they keep announcing record profits every year, right? Mm -hmm. But we got to cut cost, you know, we got to cut Bray Wyatt, which is the weirdest thing ever, you know, mm -hmm. and these recent NXT people and uh, all the people they've cut over in the last couple of years. And it, it doesn't make sense to me if you're going to announce cost cutting. Maybe I don't know something. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. And uh, how do you cut a guy like Bray Wyatt, who is so invested in his character and uh, just does what they want him to you know, they screwed him over the years against Cena and some other people where he should have won Undertaker. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me, my friend. I would I would be very curious on picking the brain of somebody that has an economics major and figure out if maybe there's a particular perspective that we don't see. Like, I understand that, like, companies, especially stockholders don't like when there is loss because they want they want to have exponential profit exponential growth but you already secured two multi-billion dollar contracts mm -hmm. in the last couple of years i think the i think the the brass in charge can afford to not buy a yacht this year you know <laughs> Dude, I don't know what's going on there. It seems like, uh, you know, they make record money, but mm -hmm. they cut stuff. But, you know... Yeah, they, they, are, they are arguably the most recognizable name in, in media as the wrestling brand. Like, they are the Kleenex brand. Like, you have literally nothing to lose at this point. And why are they still paying a person like Hulk Hogan? You know... As much mm -hmm. as we all like to love Hulk Hogan back in the day, like we don't need him to sell us on WrestleMania anymore after what he did, after the stupid stuff he said. That's just my opinion. It might not be the opinion of this podcast, but, uh, you know, they're paying a guy like that. They're paying some other people to hang around. We cut people, Bray Wyatt. It doesn't make any sense to me, my friend. Yeah, it's it's not an unpopular opinion, absolutely. And as far as the opinion of the podcast, the sentiment is mostly shared with Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast as well. I will say that wrestling would not be where it is today without the Hulkster himself. But that ship has long sailed. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as, ideally, it should be that the audience is the one that decides to make the stars. But unfortunately, you still have that old school booking mentality in the back and i do my best to try to not dabble into dirt sheet stuff and backstage politics because at the end of the day no one fan is going to know everything that goes on they may think that they know it's very dangerous to dive down that rabbit hole and think you know about the industry when you aren't even a part of it 
Mm. You know, I I want I want the best for everybody, but getting angry about things that are beyond our control is unfortunately I don't invest a whole lot of energy into that, especially since think about all the times that dirt sheets and internet forays have reported on Zelina Vega stuff. And she just <laughs> holds her tongue and says, just you wait until I tell my side of the story. She leaves it at that because we know how that side of the industry can perpetuate certain things. That's what I do when the dirt sheets reach out at me, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you have an insider. I knew it. Uh, there's always an insider, my friend. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, man. I'm having a blast on this podcast with you, my friend. So, you like listening to podcasts, do you? They are splendiferous. But have you thought about making your own? It's never been easier to throw your two pennies into the well and go on a ballyhoo on what is really bringing your craw. Anchor.fm makes it easy for even a first-time record tuner to build a podcast that is your own, then distribute your voice to the most popular of radio broadcast machines, including the Google and Spotify, with metrics and monetization tools to help your ship take sail. Only a complete buffoon wouldn't take advantage of the airwaves with the tools of the trade, powered by Anchor.fm. So show your best like a proper chap, and find out more on Anchor.fm today. Jolly Good is a royalty-free ditty powered by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more on SilvermanSound.com. Now let's get back to your regularly scheduled program. I just love just having the opportunity to shoot the breeze and again, just getting your perspective on uh, pro wrestling and especially since you have a lot of a lot of insights. Let's talk about for a second the lineage behind Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. You are going on. I, I took a look at this. Your most recent episode was the 208th episode of Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. Am I looking at that correctly? You, you are. We've done this for I don't know how many years now. Um, you know, I started back in the day and I was like begging people to do my podcast. Like, can you do this? Can you do this? And I found people. Uh, the, 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 the beginnings were Avi Rex and Sonico and, um, Drexel came on early, and um, oh my god, there was a lot of people. But uh, I remember making all right, here's a funny story. The first time I did my opening and was recording it, I had recorded a podcast with Hacksaw Brett Sawyer, who is a uh, legend of old school Portland wrestling back in the day. He was Brett Wayne on uh. Georgia Championship Wrestling had a feud with uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. His brother was uh, Buzz Sawyer. But uh, I talked to him first, and I recorded it. Mm -hmm. And then I was in uh, Hermiston for the first prestige show because my wife also had a place down there where she worked with one of her warehouses mm -hmm. with her business. So she was doing her work. And I went and got a, a growler from the Hermiston Brewing Company, by the way, and brought it back to my room in the hotel. And I made my um, my openings, recorded my openings. I didn't have a sponsor then. I didn't have Nacho Mamas. And I did my opening, you know, and talked about whatever I did and uh, put it all together and uh, sent it out. And that was my very first Bigfoot Pro Wrestling 
podcast. Every story has a humble beginning, and it's really cool to hear just like how effectively it sounds like how rushed it was to just kind of get it going off the ground. And, and, you know, that train has never stopped. I mean, the train leaves the station every two weeks <laughs> on uh, on Bigfoot Pro Wrestling. Well, and I did uh, I did uh, I did some uh, some math. So it's uh, you said that uh, usually a, an episode comes out once every two weeks or so. No, no, it's 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 usually once a week. Sometimes I take a week off after three or four episodes these days. Gotcha. But it's usually gotcha. every week. Okay, so just by just by the the, the basic uh, you know napkin math that I was able to do, you effectively have been doing this show. If you're doing one show a week, you're effectively uh, you know breaks in occasional breaks in between. You effectively have been doing this show for more than five years now because my, my basic napkin <coughs> math was if you broke down 208 episodes and you were consistent about once every two weeks, that would have been eight years. Yeah, that's probably about right because I've taken some breaks. There was a pandemic break. You know, once in a while I'll be like, hey, got to take a little time off. But uh, for the most part, I try to get one out every week. Yes, over five years I've taken some time off here and there. And uh, – I just really enjoy it. I love it. It's my hobby. You know, I don't go golfing with my friends. I don't hit the bars with my friends. Uh, you know, my friends and I play fantasy football where we don't really have to go hang out. We do it sure. online. And um, so this little uh, thing called the Brigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast is my baby. And if I could tell another little quick story real quick. Go for it. The first time I was going to talk to Brett Sawyer. I was going to talk to him on a certain evening, and I chickened out, man. I couldn't do it. And oh, I really? told my wife, I was like, no, I, I, I canceled it. I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen. And she laid into me, and I'm like, she's like, what are you doing? This is the thing you wanted to do, right? And I was like, it's just a podcast, you know, whatever, dude. And she's like, no, this is what you wanted to do. You bought, like, you know, things like uh, a mic and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay. And I rescheduled it with Brett. Mm -hmm. And we did it. And uh, 208 episodes later, like you said, we're still here, man. And, uh, and I enjoy it. And I love local professional wrestling. You know, Defy, Without a Cause, uh, Prestige, you know, all the other stuff. Lucha Libre, Volcanica, POW, DOA, you know, Scuttlebutt, uh, Flex Network up in... Uh, and Everett also now, and there's so many more. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to hear that that uh, um, I, I've always been a firm believer of uh, behind every great man, there's an even greater woman. Because you know, uh, it's uh, uh, <laughs> a king and his castle are nothing without his uh, uh, the queen and his serp and the servants to to make the whole operation work. She lit the fire under you to uh, uh, to make that happen. She she did, man. Without her. There would not be a Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. Mrs. Clams, at K.A. Miltimore on Twitter. Buy her books, check them out, and she's amazing. Without her, there would be no L-Train. There would be no podcast. That's that's very cool. So uh, Mrs. Clams has books, you say? She does. Uh, you know, if you go over to uh, Amazon and you search K.A. Miltimore, you'll bring up her books. And uh, she's had about three or four of them now. And uh, you can check them out. You can buy them, uh, either hard copies or uh, audiobooks. But anyway, she doesn't like me to talk about that much. But uh, Oh, she doesn't? We put oh, her over. Okay. 
<laughs> that, I mean, that's that's ideally what we're supposed to do is put over the people that we care about. So, uh, so mission accomplished there. Um, and there's no one more that I care about other than my wife and my son. That's very cool. How long have you been together? Oh, damn. Well, uh, I will say mm-hmm. we first started talking in about 2011. That mm-hmm. was a coffee date. And then uh, we said, hey, let's uh, hook up. And we went to Mama Story Teenies at Kent Station and went to a movie. And then from ever since, we've been together. She uh, brought along my man, my son, my neck, my good buddy. You know, she already had him. And uh, he became my son, my buddy, my bro. And I'd do anything for him. And the man just turned 21 the other day, by the way. And uh, we had our first drink together. He got about a half done and he said, I'm done. And I was like, no problem, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's real cool. And that's, and that's, oh man, that's, that's really humbling to hear that it's, that it's like, you know, cause you know, you, you hear, but say, oh man, kids can't wait to turn 21 so they can, you know, drink to, you know, uh, drink and pass that on the living room floor. But no, (laughs) no, he just, uh. He was just a uh, chill about that. Funny enough, my 21st, I I was born in 85, so I turned 21 in uh, 2006. I was at Treasure Island Job Corps in 2006. On the day that I turned 21, I inadvertently got out of drinking with my friends because I donated blood for the first time in a blood truck. And they're like, you're not drinking tonight. And I was like... Okay, I was looking for a reason to get out of it anyway. But, um, also, the weird thing was, this was in um, Treasure Island in San Francisco. And I had heard from a place that I, uh, so I didn't go, I, I got my first drink like three weeks afterwards. There was a arcade area that had a small little bar section. And I went and got like, um, it was a peach schnapps Smirnoff thing with my friend because like, he, he made terrible recommendations. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I found out later that I don't know if it was the, uh, when I tell people that lived in California during that time, because apparently it's been changed since then. In California at that time, you could not go and get a drink on the night that you turned 21. You could the night after. Huh. Because what people would do apparently is it would be like if. You know, if my birth, you know, my birthday is June 2nd, so I could not have you come in June 1st at 1150. And then they would 1201 June 2nd. I'm 21 now. And they're like, no, you can't do that. Mm. So, yeah. So I I thought that was very, very interesting um, <laughs> that, that they had that particular rule. Um, yeah, that was... Uh, my twenty one, my twenty first birthday was there, and then my dad, I was nowhere near the ambitious person that I am now when I was twenty one. Um, <laughs> my my once uh, once my venture at a job corps was done, my dad came and picked me up. Um, he he had to rent a U haul to get some things out of storage from my stepmother's storage because she's she originally has like she has family out in the California area, and uh, he made the ultimatum of hey we're going on a road trip 
do you want to go to Vegas or do you want to get an iPod? Because I was looking at getting an iPod and I went in my, in my logic, I use air quotes for logic. Um, <laughs> I wanted the surefire thing. Cause it's like, if we're going to Vegas, I want to try to get some money. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a guaranteed thing. What's the guaranteed thing. I'm going to take what's behind curtain number two, get the iPod. And I think to this day, my dad might've been a little bit better about that because he wanted the experience of going gambling <laughs> with his son. But you know, I'm not a mind reader. Um, <laughs> But I will say that that trip was memorable for another reason. So my stepmother, uh, her father served in World War II. And uh, on the on the way back up, uh, yeah, it was uh, his name was Mort Robinson, rest his soul. Uh, he passed away in 2005. He was part of the 94th Bomb Group, 8th Air Force Division under the B-17 Flying Fortress. That plane, for those that don't know, the plane that plane was notorious that you did not want to be a gunner on those particular planes because it was a ball turret gunner and that particular model of plane had a very nasty defect where in in order to in order to put prop the landing gear down when you want to land you have to retract the ball turret up from the belly side of the plane well that particular plane was known to malfunction and so if they can't get the landing gear down, that ball turret is completely enclosed until it goes into the belly of the ship. So if that malfunctioned, you're guaranteed one casualty. So thank God my step-grandfather was a pilot. Oh, sorry, I made a little noise there. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we went, uh, the reason that I bring that up is we went to visit my step-grandfather's gravesite, which is Pleasant Hills Cemetery in San Mateo, California. Now, when you usually think cemetery, you think, you know, not very well kept. It's the grass is nasty. My dad put it best that they put the life back into death because they, they not only keep the grass green, um, normally when you go into a, a cemetery place, they like remove the stuff because they don't want stuff being left. No, these, this place, they leave the stuff as it is, which is so, it was, it was so humbling to see that. And surprise, surprise, I found out that Charles Schultz of Peanuts fame oh. has a marble and granite bench and chair with his caricatures on it on his gravesite that's crazy it, it is it's uh it's not very often that you get to uh get to experience some of it or hear anybody <laughs> think of having the mindset of here i lay with my caricatures um and you know peanuts has such a influence in so many people's lives it's mm -hmm. uh the moral lessons that you learn from that is uh, it's timeless so it's one of the few uh timeless things that i dude really i grew cherish. up but, on those uh those movies uh you know couldn't wait mm -hmm. for those time of years, whether it's Christmas or, you know, Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. or Halloween, or whenever the, the those movies came yeah. about, man. But they were like yeah. uh, history, history mm -hmm. to my mind. Yep, it broke my heart when they mentioned that uh, they pulled the Merry Christmas Charlie Brown from ABC because it was going on HBO Max, and I'm just mm -hmm. like, darn you, corporations. Um, but uh, my <laughs> truth be told, so I was really into animation because of uh, my cousins. One of my favorite movies was Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and I will say that that is 
I know one of two phrases in French because of Bon Voyage Charlie Brown. Um, was just real quick, was that the one where he kind of got lost and him and Charlie and Snoopy were gone from each other? It was kind of nerve wracking, a little tear jerking. Yes, yes. Uh, that was uh, the one. The thing that I remember the most from that was uh, you saw the skit where Peppermint Patty was fender bendered. There was like a multi car accident because she stopped at the light and the car behind her didn't, and it compiled on. I always wanted to know what she said in French because it looked like <laughs> a bunch of curse words. And especially because, like, Snoopy does the uh, Italian motion for telling you off, the same way that would be, you know, middle finger out here. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I know un loaf de bread, s'il vous plaît, from, uh, from that. And the, and the other phrase in French that I know, for those that are playing at home, a cartoon that I grew up with that changed my life that I identified with wholeheartedly was Freakazoid, which was one of many Steven Spielberg creations back mm. in the 90s. And there was a one-off segment called Frenching with Freakazoid. And, uh, <laughs> and the lesson that he gave was, Qui a coupé la fromage? Je répète, qui a coupé la fromage? Who cut the cheese? Who cut the cheese? Au revoir, merci. Dude, very nice, man. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Crazy, 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 man. It's, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing on what sticks with you and never leaves your side. <laughs> I have a mind like a steel trap of things that should not have been there as long as it has. But, uh, Dude. But here we are. What else you got for wrestling, though? Ah, so, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Scuttlebutt's show coming up on... It's the 22nd, my friend. Okay, thank you. You're the one that's keeping me on track with the... Because uh, for me, time <laughs> is a circle. I Calendar, just flipping through the page. Uh, yeah, so 22nd. Sunday, is, uh, the 22nd, in Everett. Sun Scuttlebutt, Sun baby. Scuttlebutt, man. I tell you, Z-Man really sold me when uh, he told me that, yeah, it looks like a Street Fighter Alpha 3 stage. And I'm like, it looks like a promotion that was made just for me. Um <laughs> Because imagine just like Zangief just appearing out of the barrels out of nowhere. I'm I'm so looking forward to going to that show. Oh, uh, bought front row tickets without hesitation. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, oh, as much as as much as Flex Matt was talking it up, I'm looking forward to uh, I the first time. Will be joining you in the Fantastic. front row, just as we deserve, my friend. Yes, absolutely. Because uh, we are cabbages and kings, as uh... <laughs> dude, it's going to be phenomenal. And then it's the next the... week, you have without a cause. without a cause on Sunday, cause. on next Sunday, and uh, that one I will not be going to just because tickets sold out so quickly. I'm so happy for Max, but dang it, the tickets sold out so quickly. Uh, yeah, they went quick, didn't they? Not quicker than any without a cause show I've ever seen. A hundred percent. I was eyeing that Danhausen versus Steve Meggs main event for. I think that that's the one for this month. Yeah. Yes, the, sir. Um, Danhausen. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That again. That's going to be a barn burner right there. But in lieu of not seeing Meggs there, I will be attending Steve Meggs versus Ethan HD at SOS Pro Wrestling on September. 10th. Oh yeah, SOS September tenth. Up in uh, Ballard at Hales yes. Palladium. And that's going to be completely awesome, dude. I want to go to that myself. I'm not guaranteed to do it yet. But, man, 
that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast is going to have someone on there in a couple weeks from SOS. So I'd like to Fantastic. make that announcement right here. Fantastic. I think probably by around the time that I think your episode might go live around the same time as this one will, because I imagine that we are recording this technically on August 9th. I imagine that approximately two weeks from today, I probably am saying this is going to be slated to go up on the 21st. So (laughs) that will, because it's important to have a backlog. I think it's important to have a backlog so that we can cushion out and have space potentially for technical difficulties. Do your thing, Um, bro. Do your thing. Yeah, it's uh, I'm trying, man. I'm doing what I can. But uh, yeah, I am so, so, so ecstatic that the SOS is that brand itself is continuing from the origins of the pandemic. Again, I think it's just a natural extension that that in a very roundabout way, I feel like that has kind of become a home promotion of mine. Not in any small part due to the coffee cameo that I personally (laughs) was part of in the season finale. But I, I, I love those guys, and, like, I will – this is actually – um actually, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that because I want to save a little nugget of behind-the-scenes stuff when inevitably the tables are turned and I'm invited onto your podcast. I'm not going to invite <laughs> myself. I want you to – I want to be able to do something of merit to warrant an appearance on the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling podcast, so – that is, the ball is in your court, but I will say, when, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when I'm invited <laughs> to the Bigfoot Wrestling Pro uh, podcast, I will have an exclusive nugget of my favorite behind-the-scenes stories with that season finale of SOS Pro Wrestling. Well, you just convinced me we'll work that out where you will have an appearance on the Bigfoot Pro wrestling podcast and uh you know in a few weeks i'm going to have a major player from so sos and i can't wait for that my friend that's that's so that's so good hey do you want to say that we uh maybe start wrapping this up and uh start trailing into the sunset i feel like we could talk all day about anything and everything revolving around pro wrestling circle we we um, we could but my wife might be a little upset if we just continue to talk into the the sunset tonight, my friend. Yes, so, yes. You the, know, mm-hmm. wrap it up, and I'll be back again soon. Absolutely, we're gonna wrap this up in a little bow. And uh, again, thank you so much for sharing uh, your stories and the behind the scenes of what makes a Bigfoot Pro Wrestling podcast work. I have your sticker mounted right next to uh, my <laughs> tower, so. We never forget about uh, who inspires and makes the dream work. So for those that are regular listeners of the show, we'll already know that we conclude for first-time guests' appearances on Renegade Roundup with, with <clears> the <throat> formula pioneered by James Lipton. There we uh, go. We have uh, Inside the Actor's Studio was such a pivotal show, and I think it really got into the, the hearts and souls and minds of performers and of Hollywood and beyond. Hey. And so we... Before you get into this, man, I, I really love that show, man. It was really good, good, good stuff. I will, I will never forget the feeling that I had after watching the uh, the Robin Williams interview of uh, Inside <laughs> the Actor Studio. That is still, that's still my favorite display of Robin Williams in any medium ever. Was on Inside the Actor. Nothing Studio. wrong with that. 
I was a big fan of the Jamie Foxx episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Anyway. Very, very good. Yes. But yeah, again, another thing we could reminisce on, but on another episode at another time. Yes, but, sir. Uh, we, will be using, we will be using that formula to sort of delve into the mind. Again, I'm going to probably reformat a couple of the questions here and there, but you already have an idea on how this is going to go down. So we'll just get to it. Um, <clears throat> Mr. L-Train, what is your favorite word? Not necessarily your favorite curse word, just favorite word. I have a word, and it's maybe not, like, you know, proper to everyone, but I go, Jesus, a lot. Oh, jeez. Jesus. Sure. Sure. It's a very specific explicit that elicits many different feelings. It's, it's a nice... It's sort of that it's nice where it gets just enough of a reaction from people, <laughs> but not too much of a reaction. So I do, I do appreciate just Jesus, man. Just, yeah. Jesus. God. The, the, oh, geez. The, the, yeah. The inflection that you use for that word as well says a lot. Cause like if you're gritting your teeth when you're just like, I just want to punch you in the mouth. Just <laughs> Jesus, man. Just, you know. That's perfect. My uh, friend. It's fantastic. On the other side of that coin, Mr. L-Train, what is your least favorite word that you can say on radio or television? I know what it is exactly, and it's a C word, and you should never use that word, and that's Correct. my least favorite word, and anyone that uses that word is a piece of trash. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's... It's not wrong. There is no devil's advocate to play with that. And truth be told, the, my the, it's it's funny that 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 is yours as well because my favorite thing about the Robin Williams inside the actor studio is that was also his least favorite I, word. I didn't know that, so that's completely awesome, and I'm glad, even yes. more, that I brought that mm -hmm. out to people's yes, attention yeah, on this he, uh, very podcast. Fantastic, yeah, and he he even mentions that that is the one word that will kick me out of the house. Yes, <laughs> so, as as it should, as it should, it should. Lyle, in a metaphorical sense, what turns you on? Well, obviously, my wife turns me on big time. But, my wife. Uh, if I don't bring up my wife, you know, pro wrestling just really just gets me, man. Just talking about it, watching it, listening about it, everything about it is my thing. And I love pro wrestling. And at 50 years old, if it's not my wife turning me on, it better be something I love. <laughs> sure. That is 100% very fair. And, that, and that's a very good... 1A and 1B that both complement each other. I, I appreciate that. Perfect. On the other side of that coin, what turns you off? What does not make you feel so good? Negativity. People that, like, people trying to be positive about something and people just, like, putting it down. Like, mm -hmm. just keep your opinion to yourself. And I've done it myself, man. I've commented on stuff, and I'm, like, afterwards, like, you know, I shouldn't have done that. But, uh, sure. you know, the things that turn me off is just negativity. Don't be mean about something. 
and uh, try to be positive about something. And uh, it's hard to do. Like I said, I've done it sure. myself. Yeah, we are all human. Um, definitely, I fall in that Brian Zane philosophy of like what you like and don't be a dick. But uh, yeah, we are definitely cut from the same cloth. That it's just like, you know, we especially when you get up there in age, you only have so much energy to give. <laughs> so why not just make the most out of your time? I, I don't have time for that anymore, man. You know? Hey, I, I hear it as a 49-year-old. Sometimes I'm like, you know, hey, get off my lawn. And I've over-exaggerated <laughs> just a little bit. So that's that's on me. You know, I think uh, at, at this at this stage in your career, you are owed at least a Grand Torino moment. So I fully accept that. Lyle, what sound or noise do you love? Wow, that's a great question, and that's uh, hearing my dog in the morning kind of making her little like uh hey it's time to get up pops you know mm -hmm. my uh mini australian shepherd mm -hmm. and uh, i love her to death and she comes up between me and my wife every morning about 5 a.m doesn't matter if it's a weekend weekday mm -hmm. but when i hear that sound no matter how tired i am i love it I love that's, that little gal, fantastic. my little I, mini Aussie, and her name is Copper. Oh, that's oh, that's fantastic. Uh, was that by uh, was that inspired by Fox and the Hound at all? <laughs> no, I'm sure that's something I've watched with my son, but uh, no, I am inspired oh. just by my uh, my dog. I love her. Fantastic. Um, I think uh, Johnny Del Taco actually said something similar about his cat, uh, just the pitter-patter of uh, just hearing cat paws down the, <laughs> down the hallway. So you can uh, you can definitely get a good impression on somebody based on uh, how they uh, treat and respect their Hey, I love cats on. too, man. I got one in my garage here that's been in with me for 18 years. Oh, bless, bless their heart. Bless their heart. Yeah, my, my, last cat, my last cat that I had was... Uh, Lived a full 18 years. She was a Persian Himalayan named Olivia. Uh, never never made a sound, but always made her presence felt. Yeah, probably loved um, hanging with you, though. Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. On the opposite end of that coin, a sound or noise that you do not like so much. Might even say a sound or noise that you hate. Well, based on my last presentation uh, that you talked about me, talked about with me just a second ago, I do not ever like to hear my cat or my dog whimpering or suffering or anything like that. I'll do anything I can yep. to not make that happen because I love my animals. Mm -hmm. Empathy is such a huge... I'm borderline empath myself where like, my mood and my emotions is directly affected by those that are around me. And yes, 100%, like, any, uh, any crying or pain or anything like that, I just... I'm destroyed by that. So I, I 100% empathize with with that particular sentiment. Because, and yeah, and, and again, it's, you know, I think it's kind of a more commonly accepted notion that uh, furry animals and pets are like our furry children. We want to do anything that we can for them. So. Exactly, exactly. I love my uh, furry children. Mm -hmm, for sure. Lyle, I know that uh, you are primarily known as a podcast personality and uh wrestling enthusiast if you don't mind disclosing 
what do you do for your day job or have you have those days <laughs> been long past yet? For my day job, I am a insurance specialist. Um, okay. I'm the guy that you see at the front desk. You come in, you hand them your insurance cards, your ID. I get you all set up and I make sure you do not get a bill in the mail from us because I'm charging you your uh, copay and then gotcha. I'm sending the rest of the bill to your insurance. And that's what I do, ma'am. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. My last couple of call center related jobs have been uh, dealing with PII and PHI. So that is a whole, that's a whole nother can of worms. That, uh, <laughs> uh, if, if only people knew, man, if only people knew. So the reason I bring that up is to give uh, inflection of what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, that's super easy, man. Um, based on the podcast, I would love to be a radio DJ. Something like, you know, Steve Miggs. I'm surprised you're not already. You have a golden voice, man. <laughs> well, I'm not. I never reached out there when I was younger to do that thing. But it is my, uh, when I think about it, that's what I want to do. I would love to be a DJ, show up at the radio station every morning or afternoon or evening sure. and uh, do my thing and talk about whatever I want to do. And, you know, hey, Migs, man, he gets to, like, do his thing, shoot his uh, promos for his wrestling shows he's going to be on at these stations and do mm -hmm. all kinds of fun stuff, man. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, thing. I'd love to be a DJ or just somebody that has a radio show on the air for sure absolutely yeah it's it blows me away because i mean you're you're a natural on on the mic so i i just assumed that there was some professional training back there but yeah no it's it's never it's never too late absolutely like again one of the one of the reasons that i want to improve on my work in vo voice is uh we're kind of now in this uh in this age where if you have a good enough demo reel like studios will call you to get work like a lot of internet personalities that i follow they eventually get called up by like funimation and a bunch of anime studios to do like high profile work for their shows so you know again if if you can if you can dream you can make it happen i but don't put that on the back burner it's i, I think you have all the potential in the world to to make that happen well so. myself i'm a little too old to make that happen now but if you're young you got a voice you got the potential you got the will go get it done I would also still strongly believe that that is uh, still in the cards for you as well, because you think about all the act. Well, I mean, think about all the actors that started in their forties or fifties. I think didn't Morgan Freeman start acting in his fifties or even sixties? Uh, it might have been later, but I'm not sure about that, my friend. Oh, you know, let's uh, don't say yourself short. But on the other <laughs> side of that coin, what profession would you not like to attempt? Any type of labor job where I have to go in, show up, start drilling or digging holes or building mm -hmm. stuff, that's not my thing. I need to just come. I need to sit. I need to be at a desk. I need to look at what's up in front of me and do my thing. So nothing where I have to, like, be a big-time laborer. Yes, that is one of my uh, one of my good friends has been doing warehouse work for practically as long as I have known him and I've known that man for 20 years so uh bless his heart that was the gentleman that came out with me uh I 
think I introduced my friend Logan to you at the. It was uh, that was where the Chris Bay Invitational happened. That was my uh, that was my player too that uh, that came out. I tell him it, it was amazing that Jeff Cobb was the surprise appearance in there because I'm like Logan is before Jeff Cobb is after, and I tell Logan you can be like that. Oh man, so. without a cause, that was an amazing. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen, and that Jeff Cobb mm-hmm. came out that night. That was top shelf, my friend. It was. It really was. Um, Warhorse really tore it down, and I love Steve Miggs' jacket with the neon sign in the back of it. Oh, Miggs, man. He's phenomenal. Miggs, Miggs. One of the he greatest is. heels like, to come out of nowhere. He is. I mean, it's also, it's because we know him personally, it's really hard to hate the guy. So I, I, told, I told him and I told Ethan that it's like, for their SOS appearance, I have not been this conflicted since Brian Cage and Swerve at Defy Cross Progress. Crazy. It's going to be a great match, man. Migs, Ethan, uh, SOS, September the 10th. September 10th Ballard, yeah. Hales, yep. and uh, it's going to be a good time. Yep. Since we can uh, nerd out about you know pretty much any any wrestling card under the sun, let's go ahead and switch it up a little bit. L-Train. Your dream card of three matches. Oh, man. Uh, dream card of anything I can book? Anything under the sun, past, present, future, dream card, three matches. Oh, my gosh. Um, of any generation? Dream. So dream big if you want. Dude, I got to start with Ric Flair. Taking on John Cena uh-huh. for that 17th championship. <laughs> okay. I Good. mean, there's nothing, you know. I mean, they're the two greatest world champions ever. They got 16 each, you know, mm-hmm. to to see them go on one-on-one and uh, to see who's going to take that 17th. That would be something else. You got to send them over there, both in their yeah. prime. And then uh, I got what, two more? Two more. Oh, my gosh, dude. Um, dream matches. Holy crap. I don't even know. Um, <sighs> Sting. Taking on, uh, Kenny Omega. Ooh, yes. The, not Sting from now, obviously. Sting from his prime. Sure. Sting sure. and Kenny Omega from right now. Mm-hmm. And then, um, man, I don't know. Um, Moxley. Moxley. Mm-hmm. Taking on Roman. And I think that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Get that uh, WWE, AEW, former Shield member, Blood Feud. Yeah. That exactly. Would be- exactly. I'm sure there's yeah, something absolutely. I could have done more other than that. But that that's what the things that came to the top of my head, my friend. That's exactly why I have that. It's like, yeah, off the top of your head, what would, what would be three card match? And that's 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 perfect. Those are all real solid answers. Yeah, really good. I I would pay I would pay price of admission to see all three of those. <laughs> it's it sounds it sounds great. So, final question, L Train. I don't know if you are a religious man, but if heaven exists, what would you like to hear your God say? when you arrive at the pearly gates what's up my man uh jump in (laughs) have a good time 
do what you need to do and don't worry about anything after this point. That's good. That's really good. That's a real solid answer. I, <laughs> I love that. I appreciate that. I just winged that, my friend. It was no, no, what just came to my head. That's good. It's all good. It's all good. And again, I love I love probing and getting like first response answers exactly like that one. You I feel like those particular questions you kind of get a really good idea of the inner workings of how a person works. Lyle, I want to say thank you so much for being a uh, esteemed guest on the Renegade Roundup, allowing me the opportunity to, even for just a moment, pick at the brain of the pioneer of the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> and I welcome the opportunity for you to return again, if you so wish. Hey, man, I had a blast uh, just sitting here chatting with you, uh, you know, fielding questions. And, uh, man... I, I really had a great time. I'd love to come back again. And, uh, sure. dude, keep doing your thing here, man. I, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. And uh, you as well. And on to uh, hopefully another 208 episodes from here. <laughs> I hope I can uh, get a lot more in. Uh, 208, I don't know, man. But uh, hopefully, right? I mean, fingers crossed. I mean, stranger things have happened. So. Just keep doing what you're doing, and thank you for everything that you have done to uh, inspire the uh, Pacific Northwest wrestling scene as a whole. Oh, man, I, I love it. Thank you very much for your time. You know, other than family and uh, doing what I do personally, pro wrestling here in the Pacific Northwest is my thing. I, I love it. You know, I like to put it over. I've been a fan since, uh, you know, the 80s and uh, early 90s here in the the, the promotion here promotions here in the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling uh, or in the in the Portland Wrestling but uh, man the comeback the last so many years with Fi Whack all the other ones I love it and uh, I'm so happy for the Northwest in general with wrestling yeah. Pacific Northwest Pro Wrestling you've come a long way baby it has man and uh, it's just gonna keep growing it will absolutely well thank you very much appreciate it you're welcome to yourself. You are your own priority. You matter.